All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to the second episode of Masha and the Dogs. I'm Masha, and we're here to talk about dogs. Um, and on this uh, episode, I have another exciting guest joining me. Uh, her name is Sam. Welcome, Sam. Say hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Maria. I'm so, so excited to have you here and uh, to chat a little bit about you and about your amazing, amazing dog, Zora. So um, maybe we can get started with you telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do and what kind of life you lead. <laughs> I, I think I lead a pretty average, like Southwestern Ontario life. Um, I'm currently living in uh, Kitchener-Waterloo um, with my husband and of course my dog Zora. And we actually have a baby on the way. So that's really exciting. Yay, that's yeah. amazing. So you're not going to be just a dog mom. You're going to be a human mom too. Exactly. Although Zora will always be the firstborn in our family. So rest assured, um, we ba- basically have a toddler already. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah and then my nine to five I'm a graphic designer um, and then from five to nine I'm also a graphic designer doing some of my own freelance work so really exciting stuff Um, very visual person and kind of just lead the average normal life I think Sam's being very humble because she's a graphic designer but she's like one of the most talented people I've ever met and uh for Christmas this year, she designed these beautiful stickers with Sonia and Lucia, who are our dogs. And uh, I still haven't put the stickers anywhere because <laughs> I don't know, like, what object in my house is worthy enough of them. <laughs> it's so hard co- to commit a sticker somewhere. I really believe that, like, especially if it's a good one and it's sentimental. But I had really fun, uh, a good time making them. Yeah, so thank you. Those are those. Are, I love those. And uh, tell us about your dog. So you know, just the the regular stuff. Paint us a picture of Zora. How old is she? What breed she is? What does she look like? So Zora is. Oh my gosh, she is the sweetest dog you'll ever meet. Uh, she is just over two years old. So two in a few months. Um, her adoptiversary is coming up in a couple months as well. So we've had her for about two years. So we adopted her at four and a half months old. So she was still like a sweet little puppy, but definitely long legs um, because she is part German shepherd, but the the other part is kind of a mystery. So um, (laughs) we're not too sure, but we have some hints and we've kind of done some super sleuthing um, around with dog breeds and that sort of thing. So we're still not too sure, but uh, she was a rescue, which is why we're not too sure um, exactly what she is, but um funny story one one day we were kind of scrolling through instagram um looking up german shepherds and and we came across this one dog that looked identical to her um and this dog like the sweetest pup also just by their their social channel um actually like is in Australia and it's part German Shepherd and it's actually part Australian Kelpie, which is not a breed that I don't think many people are familiar with. No, that's so so cool. Yeah. So we're fairly convinced she's part uh, Australian Kelpie. She also has a lot of the tendencies that uh, uh, Kelpies have Um, very much a a herding dog. Um, But again, it's still such a mystery, but we're kind of uncovering like new traits and qualities uh, from whatever breed she is every day. So super exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was actually lucky enough to to meet Zora. And I definitely second that she is like one of the sweetest pups. 
Oh, there she is. All good. <laughs> okay. She's say, there's Zora saying hello. She's on the podcast. That's so exciting. Um, so she's definitely a sweet girl, and I, I, I definitely see the German Shepherd in her because like those ears, those big pointy ears, are just everything. And sometimes uh, she comes on Zoom calls with us, um, and I, and I talk to her, and those ears just are are everything. They, they give me life. Um. <laughs> And so, Sam, you mentioned that you actually rescued Zora. Can you tell us a little bit more about like the origin story? What's what's that like? Yeah, so uh, we actually, so the story we were given, we actually rescued her from a, a great rescue organization a couple towns over. Um, we saw her on social. Um, they posted a picture of her as, as like a four-month-old pup, and I immediately fell in love. There is like, I, I think everyone has this, this story where they immediately see that picture, whether from a breeder, whether from a rescue um, org, org in any capacity, and they, yeah. they have this immediate visual connection with that. Pup, and so um, I was determined to get her. (laughs) So I I (laughs) frantically filled out my application. Um, We had only applied for one other rescue before that. Um, My husband didn't even know I was doing this in the background. Oh my goodness, (laughs) you're sleuthing. Yes, (laughs) and I had like people at work helping me. I think this is just before um, I met you, actually. So um, we were actually like just trying everything to get this pup and when I got the call that that like she was ready for like the interview phase and that I was the first candidate to come and and meet her um and my application was accepted it was just like the best day ever so we went to meet her everything worked out great we actually took her home that night she was the most yeah she was the most timid dog we didn't know what we got ourselves into but she was just the biggest sweetheart she laid on my lap in the back seat on the car way home um all the way home so it was just absolutely incredible um to actually finally have her um but we had been told that she had been shipped around a few places prior to us and it's kind of shocking because it was only her first four months of life so she does have a bit of separation anxiety um naturally because again the first like beginning stages of her life she knew so many different people and she didn't really have a constant home and didn't come from the like the best uh living conditions so that's Mm -hmm. why she was surrendered but I hope that we've made up for that tenfold because she is the most spoiled pooch I've ever met um (laughs) and I will admit that I'm the worst person yep she agrees with me in the background there um but um I'm the first to admit that I love her so much and I'll spoil her so much so yeah no that's that's amazing and you know what I love too like about your story is that you know you mentioned that she's been shipped around a little bit and she has some separation anxiety but I think that like you guys did such a great job of sticking by her and just um kind of no matter what continuing to love her and like have her be a part of your family I think that's so important like once you get your dog from you know a rescue organization or a shelter when you run up against some difficulties you don't like you don't just get to bring them back because it's hard you know like you this is your baby you gotta look after them and I I think like it's so admirable that you guys have stuck by her no matter no matter what Oh, that that's so kind. And like, honestly, I, I don't see it any other way either. Like, we will stick by her no matter what. And like, even in the last uh, year and a half, she's also had some allergy problems. Because again, we, we weren't quite sure of what we were getting ourselves into right, what her history right. was anything like that so um we've just kept with her like we are here for her 100 like I said she is like our firstborn um so <laughs> we, we will do anything for her and, and to make her comfortable but yeah uh, we're really lucky at the end of the day to have her here 
I love that. So, um, I mean, even just from that story, we can kind of begin to understand how amazing Zora is. But obviously, we're here to kind of learn about what, you know, what makes Zora like your hero? What What's so special about Zora that, um, you know, we just we just want to highlight how how amazing and heroic she is to you guys. Oh gosh, she is truly special. And I honestly, especially in the last year of the pandemic, I'm sure a ton of people feel very similar to this. Um, She has been like the light in our life. Um, Mm. And really like, she kind of keeps us going like that. She's a hero for us just being by our side. So um, she, her qualities are very, like, she's a very sensitive dog. She is very emotionally intelligent, like more so than any dog I've ever met before. And I'm not just saying that. <laughs> um, my husband, he grew up around a lot of dogs um, with family. He His family had a lot of dogs to begin with. Um, he's never met, he's, he said he's never met a dog this emotionally intelligent before. Um, her empathy, like she has so much empathy. Like she mm-hmm. feels everything you're feeling and she wants to make it better. So um some fun kind of like facts is um, my, my husband and I really enjoy playing board games and we're kind of very competitive. And oh so, yes. Yeah, so those like board fun. games, <laughs> so like voices that kind of rise and like, we kind of get a little like fun banter back and forth. And Zora will pick up on tones of voices and she will actually like just smother you um, to calm <laughs> you down. So she's almost like that police dog where she's like, you know what? things are fine. I'm here. I'm here for you. Nothing will go wrong. And again, she's just listening to that, that emotional, like voice or tone. Um, and even at the dog park, she's the same way with other dogs. So you'll hear a couple dogs kind of not getting along very well, or some banter in the corner of the dog park. Mm -hmm. She will go right in there, start barking at them and say, Hey guys, like spread apart. Let's keep the peace, keep the peace. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. She's super like, again, like she's just so aware of the emotions around her. I I don't understand. Um, I would like to think that we've kind of instilled a little bit of that in her. Yeah. Um, But also at the same time, it's probably just with like her upbringing and just knowing and being so aware of things kind of going on around her. So she's like, she's like a little peacemaker. And I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head there with that. It has to do a little bit with you guys for sure. Cause like, I know you, and I think you're such a kind hearted, like a loving sensitive person. So I'm sure Zora gets some of that from her dog mom. (laughs) I hope maybe, (laughs) but that's really kind of you to say. Yeah. Like, I like, we've had like some really kind of harsh times um, over the last year. I think everybody has for sure, and not really to focus on that. And I know like there are like emotional support dogs out there or therapy dogs, but this um, she's very next level when it comes to that. She lately, she's been doing um, kind of a forehead to forehead thing where she'll come <gasps> up to you, look you straight in the eyes while her forehead's kind of touching yours. Oh and my God. I can't like, are you okay? Like, are, you'll can't. be fine. She's just so supportive. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, I'm dying. Cause I, I know what she, and we're, um, if it's okay with you, Sam, we're going to share a picture of Zora on oh, Instagram yeah. so that everybody can see how cute she is. And they can just picture that four, four, forehead to forehead, eye to eye moment. And I think they're just going to melt. Cause like I'm melting over here. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, and, yeah. um, 
you know, when I met Zora too, she was a little bit apprehensive of me because obviously I was the, you know, she didn't know me uh, and she was protective of her mom and totally get it. But then we, we kind of started to get along and it was the cutest thing because she came and sat right in my lap. She put her <laughs> butt right on my leg and she was like, I'm here now sitting down. Um, and I just thought that was so cute. She's the cutest oh. dog. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. She, she has a really, she's very quirky when it comes to like pets and getting to know people. Like, you can definitely tell she has like that protective um, instinct, like the German shepherd in her really shines, um, especially when meeting new people, but she'll, when she gets to know you and she trusts you and she loves you and you see her for the first time in like maybe like a, an hour or a day or two, she will throw her butt into you and she'll be like, okay, <laughs> I'm ready for button scratches. So that's the a Billy little quirky runs. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just take me now. <laughs> I love her. Um, that's, that's, you know, that's amazing. And I think you really like also pointed out that I think basically every dog in this time and, and age has become a therapy dog to their humans. Um, so for sure. And I can see how, you know, Zora being like already so attuned to human emotions, she's going to really come out with that even more and really let that side of her shine and be there for you guys and kind of support you through, through everything. All right. So Thank you so much, Sam, for sharing um, those stories about Zora. Definitely so exciting to get to know her a little bit better and hear kind of her, you know, background and where she came from. And so cool to know that, like, you were the first uh, applicant and you got to meet her and take her home that day. That's um, that's amazing. OK, so are you ready to learn about a historic dog? I would love to. I'm really looking forward to hearing about it. Okay, okay, so the dog from history that we are going to learn about today is, drumroll, it's Hachiko. Ooh, that's a cool have, name. Have you heard of him before? I have not. No, you'll have to tell me all about him. Amazing. Okay, so I'm really I'm really excited that he's a, he's a new subject to you as well. So um, Hachiko is actually a, a very important canine historical figure, uh, in particular in Japan, where he is known, remembered, and honored for uh, his loyalty. Um, he's also, of course, famous around the world and has even appeared in a film, and it's called Hachi, A Dog's Life, with Richard Gere. Oh. Um, and actually, Chico, Layla, and Forrest played Hachiko in that movie. Uh, interesting fact there. So who was Hachiko uh, and how did he come to be such a revered figure? Let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's find out. Okay, so Hachiko was born on November 10th. 1923 so some time ago <laughs> um and he was born on a farm uh, near uh, and i'm gonna butcher some of these pronunciations <laughs> because they're japanese and i'm not um, but he was born near uh odate akita prefecture in japan and actually this is very fitting because guess what breed hachiko was well i was just about to ask what was it he was an akita Oh, no way. Yeah. So he was born near Akita Prefecture and he's an Akita. So that's that makes really cool. perfect sense. Right. Um, and he was a, a purebred Akita and he was uh, like a golden light brown color. Uh, and he had a little bit of like a peachy color on the upper portion of his face. Uh, and he weighed about 90 pounds as an adult. So a real, real big boy. <laughs> Um, and there's a number of pictures of Hachi available, so I'm going to post those as well on our Instagram. But he looks just like a real floofy, like cuddly fella. Like I imagine, you know, 
kind of like Zora, cuddling Zora would be something like similar. <laughs> oh, I just could imagine all the fur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really huggable, but also probably very much uh, a lot of shedding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, in 1924, uh, so shortly shortly after his birth, um, he Hachiko found his forever home um, with a name with a man named Hidesaburo Uwuno, and uh, not Richard Gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um you know uh some sources say that um wuno bought the dog for his daughter but i'm not entirely sure if that's true or not um and in any case it doesn't really seem to matter that much because it was clear that you know hachi and uh wuno really developed like a very strong bond a very strong relationship much like you have with zora oh yeah i could imagine and uh, so uh, Hidesaburo was actually a professor in the agriculture department at the Tokyo Imperial University, which is now known, I think, as just Tokyo University. Um, so our floofy farm boy went to live in the big city of Shibuya, Tokyo. Ooh, city guy now. <laughs> yeah, from uh, from farm to city. So... Um, the name Hachiko was uh, given to the dog by the man who uh, who uh, got him, and this was really cool. So Hachiko actually um, originates uh, from Hachi, which means eight, um, and Ko, uh, which originates as a suffix uh, that was used for ancient Chinese dukes. So basically, if we were to translate it roughly, Hachiko could be translated as either Mister Eight or Sir Eight. Oh, really cool. That's so, super neat. A real, real noble guy. Yeah. I feel like him and Zora would make a real cute couple, though. Uh, that would be a great pair, to be honest. I mean, again, you'd need to follow them around with the vacuum, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely yes. a cute pair. <laughs> um, For sure. I think they would have been so, so cute. Um, so interestingly, too, uh, apparently, uh, the the name Hachi uh, was given to the dog because when uh, Hidesaburo first saw him, he noticed that Hachi's like front paws were a little bit crooked, and he thought that they resembled um, the kanji or the character uh, that represents the number eight uh, and is pronounced as Hachi in Japanese. This is really cool. There's a lot of like different connector points to like the naming conventions yeah that's really neat yeah and I mean I don't I don't really think that they address this in the movie so I was really interested to know why he was named that yeah to be honest I've never seen the movie I've heard a lot of great things about it I'm just I think I'd be too emotional and then again you'd have Zora just lying on top of me trying to calm me down (laughs) I mean listen it's a tearjerker I'm not gonna lie it's a real it's a real um really hard heart wrenching but it is a it is a great movie it. it's a great movie it's worth it uh, if you have some time just you, you can watch it but just keep in <laughs> mind that it's not super historically accurate because it takes place in america and obviously hachi never he never actually he went was, to yeah. america <laughs> um so yeah and uh, i'll try to post to some pictures where you can see hachi's like front legs so you can see what i'm talking about there yeah so anyway, uh, as time went on, uh, Hachi and his dog dad developed a really, really strong bond. 
Um, so according to some sources, uh, Hidesaburo actually treated Hachi kind of like his own son. So you mentioned Aww. Zora is your firstborn. So you know what that's like. Totally. I can, can definitely relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and they did almost everything together, Aww. which um, I think, you know, in the pandemic, we're all doing everything together with our dogs, which yes. is one of the blessings. <laughs> They're like our little shadows now. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> um, Hidesaburo Wino actually went to work by train every day. Um, so, you know, he took the train from um, the, the station in the city he was in. Um, and uh, Hachiko actually became his faithful companion. So every morning he would walk with the professor to the Shibuya train station. And then in the afternoon, he went back to meet him when the train returned round Aww. three. Oh I just want to I just want to point out that he's a dog and like he did this and I get I get lost like. <laughs> All the time, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> well, especially like in Tokyo too, right? Like, mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like that would be pretty difficult to navigate. I'm also very impressed with like, I don't know, this is kind of off on a tangent, but like how dogs are just, they know time. They have that, that internal clock and it's oh, gosh, so sure. accurate and it's, and it just blows me away. I bet you Zora knows exactly what, when dinner time is. Oh yes. Yeah, she's, she, her favorite though is bedtime because we let her sleep with us at the foot of the bed. And I think it's the best time for her because we're all together. So at 10 o'clock, she's like, we going, we're going to bed because we try to wind down around 10. But anyway, sorry, I went off on a tangent there. (laughs) No, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, So cute. No, they definitely, they definitely know the time. Trust me. Um, So essentially they kept basically the same routine where Hachi would come to the train station and wait for his human until um, May 21st of uh, 1925 um, when Hachi made his way to the train station around 3 p.m., you know, as usual. But his dad never um, actually got off the train. I know that's that's kind of where it turns a little bit uh, a little bit sad. So. His dad never got off the train because while he was teaching one of his lectures, he suffered a cerebral hemorrhage, um, which I had to look this up, uh, but it's basically an uncontrolled bleeding in the brain. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it can occur from an injury or it can be a result of a leaky burst blood vessel. Oh, my gosh. So it had no, no indicators, just it happened. Yeah, yeah. No, I had no idea it was coming just was so sudden and um yeah so unfortunately that killed the professor and you know he was never able to return to the train station where Hachi was waiting for him um now I think it's kind of interesting that you know the the professor died only two years after Hachi came to live with him um but you know this amazing you know unbreakable bond was already developed in such a short time span and i think like sam you could totally relate to that cuz you said you had zora for about 2 years and um i think like from day 1 you were like this is even from when you first saw her picture <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can completely relate and like just the amount that they rely on you and trust you and look to you and you, you form that bond, you form those routines. Like Mm -hmm. that doesn't surprise me that it was only two years. Cause again, I don't know what we would do without Zora. Mm -hmm. I am sure Zora feels very similar to us. Like even 
like thinking back, like we do certain things that we know, and she's become accustomed to love Mm -hmm. just based on her personality. And I always think like, if she was still in that first home that maybe wasn't as suitable for her, it was very poor living conditions. She wouldn't have any of that. And I don't know many people or there's probably like a lot of people out there, but not everybody would do what we do for her. Yeah. Um, Especially to your point about like, um, if there's complications, we're not, Mm -hmm. we're not even going to try Like we would never think of rehoming her. We would always work with her. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the exact time frame is just two years. But, you know, that bond that you form like right off the bat is just it's just there and it's it's forever. So I'm not surprised at all that um, had she actually, you know, c- continued to come back to the train station. Yeah. So we're, so we're going to we're going to find out about this. Um, so um, let's continue here. So. Um, after the death of his beloved human, uh, Hachi uh, moved in with a former gardener from of, of the family. But, you know, he kept going back to the Shibuya train station every morning and every afternoon, Aww. precisely when the train was due to enter the station. And he sat there for, uh, you know, he sat there for hours, um, just patiently waiting uh, for his human to, to return. But, of course, Aww. he, you know, he never came back. Um and so Hachiko waited tirelessly for his owner for nine years. Oh, no, that's heartbreaking. So oh. for nine years, every day, twice a day, he went to the train station to wait for his dad because he didn't, you know, he thought he was still coming. Oh, so my that, goodness. That, that bond, you know, they established in just in nine years lasted his entire life. Yeah, in two years, yeah. I'm glad that he was able to be like kept within the family with the the housekeeper like that. Mm-hmm. That in itself is great to hear. Um, but that's so heartbreaking. Nine years. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's my understanding that he didn't spend like the entire time at the train station oh. like he did. He was able to go back to the garden yeah. and kind of like be fed and stuff. Um, that's my understanding. But he did come back twice a day kind of waiting for his dad. Oh, same routine. Never. Yeah. yeah. So um, he would appear, you know, at the exact time that his master's train was due to arrive. Um, and he just kept coming every day. And eventually he began to draw the attention uh, of other commuters. And, um, you know, when I read this at first, I was like, what? But apparently the station workers at first were not really like that friendly to him. They're like, what are you doing here? And I was like, what's wrong with these people? Right. If I saw a dog, like I see a dog walking across the street. I'm like, can I pet your dog? I mean, not in COVID times, but any other time. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like, how could, what do you mean? They weren't like super impressed, but, um, his fidelity. And I think just the fact that he was like a few floofy, cuddly bear eventually won them over. Uh, and soon the station employees began to like bring treats for their devoted canine. And, um, sometimes it would just, hang out with him to keep him company which I thought was was nice so he he won them over he had a little family there after after all of that yeah exactly um and so his presence actually ended up having a great impact on the local community of uh, Shibuya and he became kind of kind of an icon a little bit of a celebrity (laughs) rightly so (laughs) yes 
Um, so his story became really well known during his lifetime and people from, you know, all over the country came to see him and actually pay their respects to a dog, uh, who was a symbol of loyalty. Oh my gosh. And I think, um, like my understanding is that loyalty and uh, that is actually quite important for in, in the Japanese culture. So the fact that he kind of, uh, was a living embodiment of that, um, I think really resonated with people at the time. And, you know, they, they came from everywhere just to, to see him and pay their respects. That is incredible. And, and you're so right about that. Like how loyalty is, is so key. Um, like that's just so impressive. Like, oh, that, that's a really sweet story, Maria. Like, wow. Like, I think that Zora, I can see a lot of the qualities of Zora in that story. So it mm-hmm. kind of feels like, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this can, can resonate with their dogs too. And it, it just kind of gives you the warm and fuzzies and you're like, yeah, my dog's like that too. Like we don't deserve dogs. We really don't. They're so loyal and like trusting and always there for us. So like yeah. in routine, out of routine, like they will be there even though we let them down sometimes. Yeah. Um, right. Like, yeah just shown in, in this example of the story that you said today, like, wow, it's yeah. impactful. Yeah. So um, just to, you know, fin- kind of wrap this up here. Um, unfortunately, as you know, uh, dogs don't live forever. Uh, and this was back in the day. So Hachiko passed away on March 8th of 1935 um, at the age of 11. Okay. Um, so he had a good life, especially for a big dog. Big and dog, um yeah. According to some sources, he died at the same train station where he waited for his human. So I think oh. some sources say that he died in the in the street, and some say he died at the train station. I choose to to believe it was at the train station. One hundred percent. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, and I also think that that's kind of poetic because um, I like to think that you know when Hachi went across the Rainbow Bridge. Um, that was kind of the moment that his human finally got off the train and they were Aww. they were reunited. Um, I may have cried when I was writing this. <laughs> I was, I'm getting teary-eyed right now. Like, oh, that is beautiful. I, I'm going to choose to believe that as well. Um, there's no other end to that story. Yes. Um, and the nice thing too is that he was actually cremated and his remains were buried next to his master. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I'm glad. Um, and in 1934, so while he was still alive, uh, a bronze statue of him was erected in front of the train station where he waited. Um, unfortunately, during World War II, all Japanese statues uh, that were made from bronze were recast to manufacture um, armaments, uh, including that of Hachi. But the good news is that once the war was over, um, there was a society that was created to produce a new dog statue and put it in the same place. And they actually hired Takeshi Ando, who is the son of the original sculptor. Um, oh. And he, he did the new statue. Um, and today the statue of Hachiko continues to stand in the same place uh, in front of the station at Sh- uh, of Shibuya. And each year on March 8th, which is... Um, anniversary of Hachiko's death um Hachiko's devotion is honored with a solemn ceremony of remembrance at the station uh, and hundreds of dog lovers often return to honor his memory and loyalty oh that Um, is lovely 
And then I thought this part was so cool, but in 1994, 1994, yeah, uh, Nippon Cultural Broadcasting in Japan was able to lift a recording of Hachi um, barking from an old record that had been broken into several pieces. Um, and they did a really big advertising campaign. And on Saturday, May 28th, 1994, 50 years after his death, millions of radio listeners tuned in to hear Hachiko bark. Oh my goodness. Do you, it, does this audio still exist like um, to this day? I, I try to look for it and I wasn't able to find it, but I'm going to I'm going to keep digging and if I dig it up I'll share it with you and then put it on Instagram as well. Oh, but yeah. that is lovely. I am so glad that again he has that hero story. He was recognized and like just to your point about the loyalty in, in Japanese culture, like that is really neat. Like yeah. and I'm so happy that like you don't often hear about like a lot of hero dogs to that extent where they resurrect statues and mm-hmm. and pay that much tribute and honor to to a dog, which really we all should be because they do so much for us. That no, that's true. And you know, kind of to, to your point too. So um his memory continues to be respected. And actually, uh in two thousand four, a similar statue to that of the train station was erected and can it can be found uh near his original hometown. Um and it stands in front of the Akita Dog Museum. And Aww. then in 2015, the Faculty of Agriculture at the University of Tokyo erected yet another brass statue of the dog. Wow. Um, and that was unveiled on the 80th anniversary of his death. Oh, my gosh. That is beautiful. So to, to round that story off, Hachi, the dog, might have symbolized the quintessential values of Japan, but his story and faithfulness continue to resonate with humans around the world. Oh, 100%. And that is the story of Hachiko. Oh my gosh, I just need to put a face to this, to this name now and this, this beautiful creature. Yes, I'll send you, I'll send you some pictures where I should have probably had something to show you. Oh no, this is great. No, I'm really excited. And as you can hear, Zora is paying tribute over there in the corner. I'm glad she liked the story too. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, And just to quickly finish off too, so um, just mentioning some of the sources where I found this information, if you want to check them out. Um, So allthatisinteresting.com has a great article on him. And then uh, animalwised.com has a cool story on him as well. So you can, uh, you guys can check that out if you want a little bit more info. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing like such a, again, it's like such a heartwarming story. Like, again, there's obviously a a very, it's very sad, but it just goes to show the loyalty in our animals and how much we respect them and how much they respect us. Yes. Oh gosh. I totally agree with you. Um, And I'm really glad that you found that this resonated with with Zora too and you could you could see her in Hachi and Hachi in her I think that's so so cool (laughs) oh for sure like like I I'm sure if like we ended up like routines for example I'm sure everybody can can also resonate with like going to work every day um and then your dog just waiting there loyal and and ready for you to come home um they know their schedule um they're always there for you like it's just so it's so fitting. Great story. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad that you enjoyed it and I hope that, um, 
everybody listening enjoyed this story as well. And uh, we, we're going to wrap up here. And uh, thank you, Sam, so much for joining us and telling us about Zora and kind of bringing her to light a little bit on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I hope I hope I did it justice. I hope I did Zora justice. She truly is a very, very special dog. Um, and I'm is, just happy to be here and brag about her. <laughs> awesome. Is there, um, is there anywhere that um, people can follow Zora on social media? Yeah, so she has her own Instagram account. So her handle is at explorer.zora. Uh, Z-O-R-A and you can find her there we like to try to post a lot of adventure photos she loves the snow and she loves water so we try to do a lot of photos along that to showcase her personality and favorite activities so please check her out Uh, she would love that (laughs) amazing and I'll be sure to tag her in the the picture that we post and uh, oh thanks yeah thank you guys so much for tuning in and I hope to hear uh, to to have you join us again on on uh in the next episode of Masha and the Dogs. But for now, that's it for us. And uh, go cuddle your dog.